Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Severn Run. We are called to be the difference. And the reason the world is not seeing the difference is because, for the most part, we have bought into a wrong model of Christianity that allows us to love God and not live the difference in the world. And I want to suggest to you that biblically, that's impossible. Integral missions means that we integrate the gospel of Christ with the needs of the world. It means that, that we see Jesus leading us out of our abilities, out of our comfort zone, out of even what's possible for us into the broken that we do in our life what he did in his, that we do with our body what he did with his, that our words are spoken as gifts from him. And our touch and our attention is given as his direction. And at Seven Run, I've shared with you that I, I've been called during my 19 years here to, to do two things, I believe. One was to lead us out of uh, a kind of bound structure uh, that was sort of traditional Southern Baptist, where we, uh, you know, did suit and tie and, and sang out of hymnals and were, were kind of inward turned. And I mean, no disrespect, we are no better than any other church, but the reality is that if we do not change then we become dinosaurs. And most of the modern church is doing the dance of the dinosaurs. And the truth is that every Baptist church that was here when I came that has not changed is the same size or smaller than it was almost 20 years ago. And we're not talking 20 churches, 30 churches, 40 churches, or 50. And so it's imperative for us to get into the Word of God and to decide what we believe it says and then take that mission out into the world to integrate the call of Jesus with the needs of broken people. Now the seven-run path, as you well know, is broken down into four parts. It is broken down into one purpose. Our purpose is to reach as many people as possible. Um, how many people do we want to reach? Again, if you're driving with your family along a river and you hit a patch of ice and you slide into the river and there's six in the car and you get three out, are you going to stand on the side saying, well, we're okay? How about if you get four? Would you be content to leave one of your children? And yet we think God is. And however passionate and however driven we would be to risk everything we have to dive in and give all for that child, it's just the faintest glimpse of the passion of the Father. In fact, if you want to see the passion of the Father, you look to the cross and the passion of the Christ. And that is what God has done to reach as many people as possible. And so, we must, if we are going to be a biblical people, a, a follower of, of Christ, we must reach as many people in our world, in our community, as we possibly can by creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. And we are driven by two commands, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind. 
and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We live out of three priorities in everything we do, uh, in every action, in every relationship, to love well, to live Jesus, and to believe big. Bigger than circumstance, bigger than feeling, bigger than what is humanly possible to believe God-sized. And we believe every disciple is driven by four passions. The passion to worship, celebrating Jesus as the center of life. The passion to connect, to, to not do life alone, to, to do life together on mission for Jesus. The passion to serve, looking out for the interest of Jesus in others because you know Jesus has already looked out for your interests. Jesus has your back. Therefore, you are free to look after the interest of others and then to share to tell the story, to live the story, to help other people find and follow Jesus as the center of life. Today, guys, I want to share with you that love that doesn't act isn't love at all. And, and, and I want you to, to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. And we're really going to kind of go back to the two commands that we have already talked about and put it in context of this encounter with Jesus with a religious person. So Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read through verse 25, from verse 25 all the way through verse 37. Let's pray before we do. Father, I ask that you would help each one of us to read your word in a way that would lead us to live your heart. God, we can only be changed by what we disagree with or what is new to us. Lord, we open our hearts to receive something new from you to be transformed so that we might be the difference in the world. Father, we pray your blessing on this message. In Jesus' name, as all God's people say, amen. amen. Um, since I'm a, um, um, you know, again, so paper Bible, um, you know, electronic Bible, but, but just get out and let's, let's read along. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This was uh, a Pharisee uh, who had spent his whole life since his, his bar mitzvah at age 13 or so training and studying the holy scriptures of God. And the amount of knowledge that these guys had was incredible. Biblical Hebrew in that day, this is a, a codex, it's a book form, it's a technology, uh, just like an iPhone is a technology. It was a te technology that was a radical improvement over a scroll. And, and, and I want you to imagine trying to read um, in, in the scriptures, to, to read the Hebrew, first of all, because it had no vowels. So just imagine reading a page with no vowels. Okay, challenge one. Now there was no verse numbers. So take out the verse numbers for locating stuff. Okay. Now, add one more challenge. There was no spaces between words. All, the, all these, uh, the diacritical markings, all these vowel markings, they didn't, weren't added to like 8th, 9th century. So, so this is a guy who had studied the Word of God in that context his whole life, his whole life centered on or around God. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So everything's in Scripture for a reason. We need to pay attention to everything. We need to, um, to 
notice everything in Scripture and, and understand that it's all there woven together and, and each line informs the next. And so this is the question that is defining the entire conversation that's about to happen. We're going to read the parable of the Good Samaritan here. And and what is the launch of the Good Samaritan? Well, it's the reality that somebody asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question. Okay? So, So there's the question. The expert's asking the right question to the right person. How many of y'all would agree that Jesus is probably the best person ever to ask about eternal life? Everybody agree? (laughs) But he's asking the right heart, the right heart of God with the wrong heart. And he's testing God, making eternal life something that is humanly controllable. Jesus replies, "Um, love the Lord your God. Well, actually, let let me back up. I'm, I'm skipping one of the most important parts. What is written in the law, verse 26 says. How do you read it? Wow. How do you read it? Now, this is critical. Because I want to suggest to you that we in the 21st century are reading Scripture wrong. I want to suggest to you that there is a trajectory, an arc in the, the recent history of the church, which does not look a, lot, a whole lot like the, the, um, the way Scripture is read in the first century, that we're reading Scripture in a wrong way through a completely wrong set of lenses. And it colors and interprets everything that we see in Scripture. And unless we learn to read Scripture in a scriptural way, we are going to, to miss God and we're going to honestly find in America that we are in exactly the same place that the church in Europe is. Dead. Where 4 to, to 5% of people are, are, are worshiping God. Where 95 to, to 96%, depending on who's doing the counting, um, uh, are simply indifferent, agnostic, atheist, or something else, but they're indifferent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say that can't happen in America. It already is. Uh, ten years ago, for the first time in American history, um, more people grew up outside of, of faith than grew up inside. There's not a single county in America that I know of. There might be one in Hawaii, um, but, but not a single county in America that has more uh, a higher percentage of believers today than it, than it did 15, 20 years ago. And so this is critical. If we want any kind of a revival, if we want any kind of, a, of a, an expression of the presence of God and the anointing of the, of the Spirit of God on us, if we want to experience life with Jesus, it's critical that we learn to read Scripture in a new way. What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. This is the, the, the Pharisee speaking. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus um, 19.18. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So, So you understand what's happening. There's this question about eternal life. Jesus 
flips it back and, and, and says what is written in the law, what is in the Word of God, how are you reading the Word of God, how are you interpreting it, and, 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 and what Jesus is replying in everything that he's saying is, look, what I'm about to tell you is how real love works in real life. Everything I'm about to explain to you is what real love looks like when it's filtered through me. When you filter your life through me, when I become your center, when I fill you, then your life is going to look like this. Your life is going to be like this. And the truth is, if we were going to answer the question of how we read the Scripture, we read it selfishly and for self. We have a radical individualism that has become a part of modern American Christian tradition that, that literally kind of puts this narrow beam of light on us and God. And I'm not saying that there isn't obviously an individual aspect to salvation. There is. But why does God save us and leave us on planet earth? If it was just for, you know, the immediate joy of our salvation, then then why wouldn't we um, be like the alien abduction kind of theme, you know? You believe in Jesus, bam, you're in heaven. Awesome! Great! You know? But it's not like that. When we believe in Jesus, He fills us and never leaves us even as He leaves us here. But He's with us here. We have read Scripture in a way that is individually, it's for me. It's, it's a way that uh, leaves me able to be indifferent to others. We can read Scripture. I, Drew Schaffer, can read Scripture. And, and, and let that consist of, of a life that does not touch the broken needs of others in the world. I can read Scripture in a way that's concerned about me and my needs and my family and my feelings and my hurt and my pain and my longings and my hopes and my dreams and, and completely have this, this self-centered, solipsistic view that, that it's, it's, it's me. And I'm telling you that that's a wrong reading of Scripture for, for me, for all of us. We can't read the Scripture as consumers too busy to take God seriously. Guys, I'm telling you, we live in a time of accelerated living uh, where the pace of life in our day and age is faster, obviously, than it ever has been before. You know, they say that we take in an, more information in, in, in a week than the average person living in the 1700s took in in a lifetime. The, 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 the pace of life, the, the speed of all that's going around, and, and, and how we're reading Scripture is that we are justified in being too busy to care, too busy to go. Got too much going on for me and my agenda in the living of my life. And none of that is biblical. Integral missions is love in action. And the reality is that love works. And love that doesn't act isn't love at all. You see, love is a verb. It's an extravagant mercy in action. It's not a do-nothing knowledge. In the Greek, the word is agapao. It's that from the, you know, related to the noun agape. And when we think of love, we think of the noun, not the verb. And the trouble is that the noun always becomes a, a verb when it's lived. That's the way it works. And, and, and so, so you've got to realize that every time Jesus is talking about love, it's, he's using this action, transformative, 
uh, verb that, that you and I routinely ignore in our living. Now, think, of, think about what he's saying. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Do we really think that we can believe in Jesus and, and it not do something to our heart and change how we act towards God? This is all in, all consuming. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That is something that we must do. It's an action to, to love the Lord um, with all of our soul. What does that look like? I'm really not sure, except to say that from the depths of, of our being, from, from all that is eternal in us, we, we take that to God, we, we give it to God daily, we, we offer it to God freely. It's an action, it's something that we do. And you can't, nobody would, would agree that, we, that you can claim to love God and do nothing towards God, right? I mean, that would be crazy to say, well, I can love God and, and yet I don't do anything that's loving towards Him. You know, like, like, you know, I'm going to marry that person, but I'm never going to talk to them. Uh, I'm never going to introduce myself. I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to do anything or have anything to do with them, but I love them. No, not so much. And agapao is this, this powerful verb of extravagant mercy, of, of over-the-top action that we see in the giving of Christ. For God so agapao the world, He so loved the world that he gave. And, and, and to love the Lord your God with all of your strength, when you use your strength, you're doing something. Now, in, in America, we would all love to be able to, uh, you know, to, to um, you know, be in shape without doing anything, right? I, when I, I saw these, uh, and I know there's some medical uses, but, but these things that you put on and you wrap around your muscles and like it does electrical things, and so you can get a workout without doing anything. Well, isn't that the American dream, you know? Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I've been on the couch all day long, you know? <laughs> to love the Lord your God with all of your strength, that means you do something. It means you make an action-oriented uh, step in your heart towards God, that you redirect your energy towards the Lord. And, and, and then, you know, for those of you who are, you know, anti-intellectual in your faith, you need to read the Word of God because it says, and, and to love the Lord your God with all of your mind. What does that mean? It means you do something with your head to, to begin to try the impossible, to comprehend, to wrap your, your mind, your understanding around an infinite God. It means you take your mind to God. It means that you use your imagination. It means that as you read, you think. It means that you explore. It means that you cultivate. It means that you stretch yourself intellectually with God. It means that you, that you think deep thoughts, but it means that you do something. Love is a verb. It's an extravagant mercy in action. It's not a do-nothing knowledge. And, and, and if, you, if you do not act with your love, then it isn't love at all. But this is typically, if we even get started there, and I don't think most of us do, I think if we do get somewhat started here, we kind of stop. And love your neighbor. Oh, suddenly now we're back to do nothing. Suddenly we've taken this strong verb that is completely holistic, that's completely encompassing, that's completely everything I have directed towards God. And, and now, and, and love your neighbor. Oh, well, that doesn't really mean anything. That means I have a nice attitude towards them. I'll think a happy thought once a month, and I'm pretty much good. I don't hate my neighbor. 
No, 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 no. Love that does not act is not love, biblically. And to love your neighbor requires you and I to act in loving ways, to look out for their interests, to, to be Jesus to them. And really, uh, technically, there is two commands in this that we, that we rightly use, but really there's three commands in this if you want to get technical because here's the problem with people putting God in a box and giving formulas. God doesn't fit in any box and He won't stay in any formula. Love the, the, your neighbor as yourself. Oh, well, if we, if we had any action in the first part of, of I'm going to energetically direct my whole life Godward, and with everything that I am, the eternal parts and the temporal parts, the strength that will not last, my soul that does last, my, my, my mind, um, my, my heart, everything I am, I'm going to direct that towards God, and, and that's going to be energetic. And, and, and again, most people then drop off, well, and love my neighbor, I said, well, the energy level is really gone, and love your, as you love yourself. I want to suggest to you that each of those requires high-energy, spirit-inspired, grace-filled action. Love God. Love your neighbor in an active way that will not allow you to do nothing and love yourself. This is not pop psychology. This is holy scripture. And that verb, uh, structurally, grammatically, I, I spent years being forced to diagram sentences. All of you English teachers out there, we're not worthy, okay? That verb goes for this. It's connected structurally. And some of you here, you have soul cancer because you have allowed Satan to offer you the definition of yourself. And I'm telling you, again, this is not pop psychology. This is... This is not shallow, you know, self-serving scripture. This is holy scripture. Love as an action consumes your life in every direction, including the person you see in the mirror. And if you hate who you see, you are hating the work of God. And you are, you are thinking Satan's agenda instead of the Father's. What does it mean to love yourself? Well, that's another message. But I'm telling you, it is an action. And it requires showing yourself extravagant mercy and grace. It requires seeing the good, not ignoring the sin, but, but it, requires, it requires loving in an, in an, in an, in an agapao kind of way yourself um, from the same uh, power that, that is Godward and outward and, and now it's inward and love is all encompassing. And I'm telling you, when you start to live Scripture in an integral way like this and you read Scripture through a new set of biblical lenses, everything will change. It's going to wreck part of your life. Your American self-centered, do what I want to, sit my butt once in a, a week in a chair, um, spiritual agenda is going to just get wrecked. And we may lose some people before we gain people. But I just want to say, I don't want to lose any of y'all. I love you. you know, I'm talking about those other services. <laughs> but honestly, 
as your shepherd who's going to be responsible for you before God. One day I'm going to stand before God, and, and the scary thing about this, God's got like a trillion, trillion years to have these conversations. If he spends a trillion years, you know, with my life, he's not, not short any time on yours, <laughs> you know. And I'm going to give an account for how I, I taught his word. And I'm telling you, this is Holy Scripture. The Pharisee, though, wasn't satisfied with what Jesus said. You've answered correctly. And then look what Jesus says in verse 28. Really important. Do this and you will live. Okay? Now, Jesus was not talking about earning your salvation through works. That's off the table. Right? I, I want you to, to picture... Um, Right, like the, the physical context here is, here's Pharisee, right, Pharisee? Who's he looking at? Jesus. So we got who? So this is the context. It's not Pharisee saying, you know, oh, work it out. It's, it's, it's Jesus saying, when you filter your life through me, love becomes a verb, becomes an action. So what must I do to inherit life? What, what does an eternal kind of life look like? Jesus says, it looks like a life of active love. It looks like a life of love integrated into everything that you think and do towards me, everything that you think and do towards your neighbor, everything that you do and think towards yourself. And if you do these things, if you let love be what it is, a verb, if you let love be love, then you will live. All right? Again, uh, I realize sometimes I am such a brilliant person that, uh, that I lose you guys, right? For those of you who are guests, please, that's a joke. Um, so, but I, I want you to follow this logic, and this is a scary logic. So do this and you will live, right? Don't do this and what happens? Let that sink in for just a little bit. Because again, we take this as optional sort of stuff. Oh, this is next level Christianity, this is nice, and maybe one day I can kind of float up like a balloon into the sky, and I can do, no, no, no. Do this, and you will. Don't do this, and you, not because you're earning, but because you're revealing whether or not you've filtered through Jesus or whether you're on your own, just reading Scripture religiously. You've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? <laughs> what a question, right? I, I got to say, as we talk about racial reconciliation, any of you have any doubts about the integrity? It means wholeness. It means togetherness. It means oneness. Um, it means not apart. Who have, uh, have any questions about the integrity of God's love for all of his people created on purpose as we are if you want to distinguish and say anybody of any stripe, um, an, an immigrant, undocumented, anybody is not your neighbor, then you are the Pharisee, okay? So anybody that you can justify as being other than or less than you puts you in the not going to live Pharisee kind of category. That was free. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, 
And we're going to unpack this whole story in another time in a deeper way because there's so many amazing details in it. Um, And when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. So I want you to again picture, here's somebody just, they're just doing their life. They're just walking along. They've got places to go. They got people to love. He might have a service to preach. He might have a bar mitzvah to go to. He's got things to do just like you. And he's walking along the road and he sees broken. He sees hurting. He sees pain. He sees somebody that is different than him. And he passed by on the other side. Love that doesn't act isn't love at all. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, this is somebody who who ministered in the temple of God, who was around God things all the time, whose life was theoretically centered on the presence of God. Do you remember in the temple, it was the mediated presence of God on earth. It was like a concentric circle towards the holy of holies where, where the, the presence of God, you know, in that day theoretically dwelt between the wings of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. And there was uh, an inner wall and an outer wall and an outer court and the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women and then, and then the outer courts outside of that. And, and the Levite was the one who, who ministered inside all day, theoretically, consumed by God, thinking of God, touched by the presence of God. And he sees broken and he sees bleeding And somehow in his theology, he is able to walk away. So I want us to really judge them harshly. I want us to point out what hypocrites they are. I want us to be brokenhearted as we look at their religion and say, my God, how could they claim to know you and walk away? And then let's realize that's exactly what we do with our whole lives. And the church in the 21st century has gotten into this idea that there is a love for God that is a Sunday love that doesn't translate into the kind of daddy I am at home, the kind of mother I am, the kind of son or daughter I am, how I do my schoolwork, how I work um, you know, at work, the language I have, my, my temper, what I look at on my computer, uh, how, how I drink or don't. We, we've somehow gotten into this vision of Christianity that is this consumer-oriented, come on Sunday, entertain me, make me happy kind of a thing, and, and we're able to walk through, drive by in our lives and completely Excuse ourselves from giving ourselves away to the broken at a high personal cost. But a love that doesn't act isn't a love at all. And so I got to say, honestly, in the name of Jesus, I wonder what it is sometimes that we're really doing. Except reading Scripture wrong 
and seeking to serve ourselves as we condemn the Pharisees that we in fact are. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, and a Samaritan was the most hated person around, the Samaritan was, was Jew, to, to a Jew was worse than, quote, a half-breed. Uh, they were blasphemers. They set up alternative places to worship other than the temple. Um, they were unclean. They were offensive. They were, they were everything that, 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 a, that a religious person in that day could, could rightly spit at. As he traveled, just doing his life, having his own agenda being on his own way with apparently limited human resources, you know. This wasn't a wealthy man. This is just a guy doing life and he sees broken. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. How is it that we're able to travel through D.C., through Baltimore, through Curtis Bay, Brooklyn, through Glen Burnie, through Severn, through Odenton, through Crofton even, Severna Park, and we don't see. But he saw, and he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and he poured oil and wine, and he took the man on his own donkey. That means that he gave up the comfort of his own ride, <laughs> and now he's walking, and he took him to an inn to take care of him. His whole agenda is off. His whole schedule is out. The next day he took out two silver coins um, and he gave them to the innkeeper. This is extravagant love. This is love not a little. This is, this is love that is costly to self. This is love that is all in. Because love is a verb. It's an extravagant mercy in action, not a mercy in thought. I got to do something with this love. To love the Lord my God with all my heart requires me to do something. It requires strength and energy and thought and, and, and giving. And, and, and so that is equally true with loving our neighbor as it is with ourself. And when love is, is flowing up inside of us, Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from him. And life filtered through Jesus is an active, mercy-filled, overflowing, given life that lives the difference of God in a broken world in real and tangible ways. And, and he gave it to the innkeeper, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. And then he said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And the Jesus who, who began in this conversation with the answer to a question, what must I do to inherit life? Who said, love the Lord your God and said, do this and you will live. Now ends this encounter with this. Go and do, do, do likewise. Guys, we are always looking for ways to maintain distance from need and pain. We have deeply bought into the American dream that is not the vision of Christ. We're always looking for reasons to justify indifference and to do nothing when we see need. 
But loving Jesus is an action in reaction. It is doing mercy in response to, to mercy. And, and I want to tell you that the love that's eternal life is always an action. And the, quote, love that we have for God, the thing that we call for love of God that is just, that is just this static knowledge that is not a verb, that, that doesn't lead us. And some of you think, well, I can't do everything. Guys, stop maximizing or minimizing, okay? You know, some of you in your own spiritual, well, I'm not perfect. Well, duh. Jesus said, I'm going to die for the whole world, except for Mary, because she's almost perfect. Do I have to, you know, she's almost, but she's not quite, so I'll go ahead and die. Of course you're not perfect. Well, I can't do everything. Are you God? Well, of course you can't do everything. But you can do on your walk down the road what the Samaritan did, and that is see the need in your path and let the love of God be action in your life, be extravagantly generous, be God-revealing. That action revealed the love of the Father where walking by didn't. We wonder why people don't believe in Jesus. It's because they don't see Him in the world. And we have to become the kind of a church that is so active in serving people in Jesus' name in our world that people cannot deny the reality of, of the Christ who's come. They see Him in us. Guys, I'm telling you that, that, that when we are, we're, we're in, in, in Costa Rica, in Dominican Republic, in Costa Rica, Pastor Alberto, in one of the churches, he uh, um, this church that is, that it's a good-sized church, not probably not as big as us, but it's a good-sized church. They, they see needs everywhere and they minister to needs everywhere. They, they see homeless people and, and they, they, they take them in and they create a, a, a home for homeless people, for, for uh, drug addicts. They, they have a home for, for ma male drug addicts and, and another one for female drug addicts. They, they have the ministry we talked about last week for those with special needs. They they, they have a, a, a feeding place on the edge of a Nicaraguan slum, um, and they provide daycare, and, and, and you think, oh, well, daycare, whatever. No, 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 you don't understand. This, this is, this is, these are slums with just like sheet metal, and some we saw sheet metal on top with just bungee cords, right? And, and in, in one of the places we're at, on the hillside, actually many of them, when it rains, the water flows through the shacks, and so in one of them, there was like a, a foot and a half ditch in, in the, the base of like people sleeping on the ground next to a river flowing through them. And, 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 and most of the men are gone. And so many of the women honestly would have to leave their children unattended uh, all day in a slum. Sexual predators, um, rape, abuse, all kinds of things. Imagine having to leave your three-year-old all day because if you don't get out and work in some form or fashion, they're not eating that night. This church sees that need. They could focus on making themselves comfortable, but they don't. They don't. Alberto says this. He says, don't use your context as a pretext for inaction. He said, everything we've ever started poorly in the sense of being small is everything we've ever started we've started poorly in the sense of being small and incomplete when God told us to do something we never waited for better times we began with whatever we had and then we worked towards excellence with an extravagant sacrificial love and we always ran a deficit 
James says this, what good is it in chapter 2, verse 14, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no, no deeds, can such faith save them? And the answer is, and this is not a question of earning salvation. Salvation is the gift of Jesus. But when Jesus comes into a life, he, he lives his life. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is, is dead. It's not faith at all. And in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you that God is calling us to a, a pivot point turn over the next, again, how, however long at least I, I'm here, on integral missions towards living the love of Jesus out in the community of ways, in a way that's going to result, honestly, I believe, in hundreds of people coming to know Christ. And the first thing that we're going to start is, you know, we're in the fourth highest county for uh, the opioid crisis. Well, maybe, maybe we should just ignore that and keep meeting on Sundays. Or maybe we should do something about it. So I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't, money, I don't, I don't know any of that. I don't, I, we're just going to start in some way listening to Father and bending down and starting our own recovery center. And in the name of Jesus... I'm telling you, you cannot imagine what the love of God wants to do through you in the days ahead. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.
Guys, I'm telling you with all my heart. That love can change this world. But it's got to start with you choosing love. Choose Jesus and choose to do his love. I'm just going to ask you, just, just raise the lights up just a little bit. And I'm going to ask you in these moments, this is your response time. Um, without embarrassment, it's crazy to think about the modern church being embarrassed to pray or to seek God or to have a conversation with Him. But in these moments, I'm going to ask you, if your knees work, kneel. You know, if you don't want to, that's perfectly fine. This is a free choice thing. But if your knees work, I'm going to ask you to kneel here in the front where you are. And I'm going to ask you just to say yes to love to doing love, 360. And to asking God to help you overcome your distance and your indifference. Throw open your heart and choose to do love. If you're willing to be the difference in whatever way, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to look like, it doesn't matter, Father does, would you just go to him in this moment and, and tell him, Father, I will be the difference. Open my eyes to see the broken on my path and, and Father, lead me to do whatever you want me to do. To be the difference, to live your love in this broken world. Give God your yes. And so, Father, we as your people, we kneel in our hearts before you and we tell you that we do not want to be the Pharisee, we do not want to be the Levite, we, we, we want to be, Father, your hands and feet in the world as the Father sent you, so you've sent us. God, give us a new set of lenses to read the gospel, one that requires us to love in the broken world in an active way. God, may it start at home, may, it, may it, it change our work, may it flow to school. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would begin a reformation, a, a, a powerful work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of each of these, your sons and daughters. And God, I just thank you joyfully in advance for what life's going to look like and how different it's going to be in the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name as all God's people say, amen. Guys, I want to thank you so much for, for listening uh, to, to, to my heart on this and, and, and just going to say...
we're going to start in some, some amazingly small ways. You know, it's like kind of the thing is big sort of starts with small. And, um, and we're going to, in, in a 360, one, one of the things, we don't do this very often, but this is kind of just an aside. I want to I want to give you an opportunity. Our, our playground uh, kind of rotted away out there, and, um, and ours is like the only, commun- only one in the community for, for quite a few miles. We have a ton of people who come onto campus uh, to play with. How many of y'all have used the playground? Adults? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so we replaced it, but we have about half of what we need, honestly, to, to replace the other two-thirds. It wasn't budgeted. So again, we don't do this very often. If you want to, great. If you don't, that's, that's fine too. But I just want to ask, um, we really need uh, like another $30,000 to, to do the other part of the playground so that we can have this as a community gathering place that we can encounter people out there and, um, and, and we, can, we can use this property and, you know, and, and provide something for family and community to be able to, to come and gather. Fathers with daughters, parents with children. Um, so if you want to, great. Um, here's how. And if you don't, that's okay too. You can still, you know, play on the swings when we get them, all right? Let's pray and then our our, uh, ushers will come. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for Life 360 in love. And thank you for the eternal life that you've given us in Jesus that's not a do-nothing life. Um, We ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us your vision and show us the way forward, Father, because we don't know, all we know is you and, and your footsteps in front of us. Thank you, Father, for the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.